Now, God is good, man. It's good to be in the house of the Lord, right? You guys excited? So I want you guys to know there's maybe not an introduction been properly made from my side. Pastor Brian has spoken highly of me many times, but I was not the first guy that he picked. I was like the third or fourth guy holding the sign that said, we'll work for food. So he's, he's very astute and very vested in who he picks. So just know that. Now, honest truth, guys, there will come a time where you'll catch my testimony. Um, it's, it's lengthy. It's interesting. It's got plenty of ins and outs and ups and downs. It's pretty crazy. And it just didn't seem like this was a night for that. So one day when it makes sense, we'll get to it. But just know this, that uh, I'm no stranger to the things of God. I was raised in a word of faith, charismatic, Bible-believing church, spirit-filled. Got a call from God. I ran from it, tripped and fell from it. Got myself back up. God put me back in place and put me on my course. And I've never turned away from it since, and I regret none of it. So just know that. So, all right, a little heavy on the breath as I ran around the back here. <laughs> Hope you don't mind a little panting. Um, this has been on my heart for a while. When I first started praying about coming here before we ever left Missouri, um, God, what do you want me to do with these youth? What do you want me to do with these students? These are your kids. What do you want to do with them? What do you want me to do with them? And it's not the first time he's done this. He gave me three words, and I probably blasted Pastor Brian's ears empty with these things. I keep asking him about his opinion on it, what he thinks about it. But really, it was pretty simple. It was find, follow, and finish. I thought, okay, there's a lot that could be in there. So as I prayed about it, just like Pastor Mike and Pastor Brian have been shepherds of this body, Pastor Brian now, I've now been given the stewardship of your youth. And so I don't take that light. Um, and I, I don't take it light to be standing in this pulpit. So I want to pray before we take off into this. And I want to make sure that God's words are heard and not mine. So if you guys are ready for that little introduction aside, Father God, we invite you into this place at this moment. May the words that are shared through my mouth tonight be, Lord, only yours. I want what you have to say to come forth and it would be only your words that would stay in the hearts and the minds of these people to break the, to break the yoke, to be the anointing that brings the change. And I thank you for all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So as a youth leader, I take this responsibility serious, and it's to establish a purpose, a mission, and a vision in our young people that can be clearly seen, clearly understood, and able to be executed by anyone who accepts the call. Just plain and simple. So I got a slide here in Habakkuk that'll read like this. I don't know if my slides are rolling or not. Do I have anybody back there? Sweet. Thank you. Love you guys. Thank you. Can we give a hand to our tech team? The people that are never, ever given the glory they deserve. I don't know why. I know they're appreciated here, but it just seems like, and by and large, they just never get the clap they deserve. So thank you guys so much. So what it says in Habakkuk is this. And then God answered, write this. Write what you see. Write it out in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. This vision message is a witness pointing to what's coming. It aches for the coming. It can hardly wait, and it doesn't lie. If it seems slow in coming, wait. It's on its way. It will come right on time. This is Habakkuk asking God for direction, and this is God's reply to his questions. So I began by asking God for direction, knowing and understanding what these words mean in regard to overall purpose and mission and find, follow, and finish. What does this actually mean, God? And I believe this is kind of what he showed me. So I'm going to throw a lot at you guys tonight. I tried to condense this down and trim it down and trim it down as much as I could, but I think it lost the message when I did it that way. So there's going to come a point where I'm just going to shotgun blast you with some sermons and some, or some scriptures rather. So write them down and go and study them later. We just don't have time to read through it all. And I don't want to take advantage of anyone's clock tonight. So with that said, let's start with the definition of find. And I do this with all of our students. I've explained this multiple times, but let's break this word down. To discover or perceive by chance or unexpectedly locate. To discover someone or something after a deliberate search. To succeed in obtaining a thing. To become aware of, discover, or to be the case in the next slide. And then this end one right here, number five. Discovery of something valuable, typically something hidden, buried or lost of archaeological interest. That's the one that jumped out to me. All of them have good depth to it, but that's the one that really jumped out to me. So these three words, buried, hidden, archaeological, immediately kind of put your head in a spot of thinking of like deep, buried, embedded, valuable objects, right? You think of something buried in the ground. So like hidden treasures, ancient tools, utensils, bones, whatever, precious metals, all that stuff. They're often found during excavation projects that occur in places where it's presumed that precious resources, valuables, or treasure may be hidden or buried. So people look for these things in certain places for a variety of reasons. There may be a natural sign of something of value may be tucked away in that location. There may be notes left in like an ancient document or a writing like the old treasure map movies we've seen, right? 
maybe, uh, or more uncommon, maybe it was just stumbled upon by whoever happened to just be digging around for whatever purpose. You hear the random story, the guy was digging up an old septic pipe and found this like million dollar, you know, chunk of metal somehow. And I was like, really? Come on, man. Digging for, digging for dung and got something good, you know what I mean? It's like, come on, dude. So whatever the case, the valuable things had to be found. They were sought out, revealed, either on purpose or sometimes accidentally, but the point remains. Someone had to be doing the work of digging in order to discover what was there. Slide one, this is the first point. So if you're going to write down bullet points, I don't have blanks. I'll work on that, though. I hear that's a thing around here. <laughs> you must seek in order to find. You can stumble upon things, but nothing in life that's worth value is usually tripped upon. You got to dig it out. You got to go seeking for it. You got to dig it up. This next slide in Acts, you're going to have quick fingers back there tonight, I hope. <laughs> so, the true God is the creator of all things. He is the owner and Lord of the heavenly realm and the earthly realm and doesn't live in man-made temples. He supplies life and breath and all things to every living being. He doesn't lack a thing that we mortals could supply for him, for he has all things and everything he needs. From one man, Adam, he made every man and woman, for clarity, and every race of humanity, and he spreads us over all the earth. He sets the boundaries of people and nations, determining their appointed times in history. He has done this with every person, so that every person would long for God, feel their way to him, and find him. For he is the God who is easy to discover. I was like, bam, passion translation with a home run hit on that one. So these scriptures basically tell us a few important things, that God built this whole thing that we call life, plain and simple. He owns it all. He lives outside of all of it, so it doesn't affect him like it affects us. He supplies everything that we need in this life. He needs nothing from us. He established human origin, ethnicity, location, and specific times for living. His perfect plan was designed in such a way that life literally points all who seek him to find in a direction that will ultimately end in discovering him. It all points back to him. Fight as you want, do whatever you can, science, all of it, it defaults back to him. If you seek, you will find him because that's how he designed it because it's his design. It's always gonna point back to him. So accepting him and his plan is the choice all who encounter him must make. The finding him isn't so much the big issue, but it's what you do with what you find, right? The fact is we're designed by our creator with an internal longing to seek and to find. You've been alive for five minutes, you're looking for something at all times. Something in you is longing for more. Those of us who have found God know that that's the big thing, but it doesn't stop. It's an insatiable hunger within you. We get to this point where we think we have enough of God and we try to go about life on a normal standard, and then we find things not working like they should. Things start getting difficult. It's because we're not longing, uh, we're not longing deep enough. We're not seeking anymore. We, we sought to a point. We got what we thought we needed, and that was it, but there's more. We didn't dig deep enough. We didn't dig deep into the fissure. We hit a tiny little speck at the top of it, but we didn't get all the way into it. We have to keep pressing, especially as adults, to show these youth what it looks like, that there's more to go deeper. It's easy to get them at front, to get them up front. You see a shiny thing on the top of the dirt, you're like, sweet, you grab a shovel and you start digging. But when you don't find, you get tired. Maybe you've been digging and you haven't found what you're looking for. I would say just keep on digging. Don't grow weary in that well-doing. Keep digging, keep digging, keep digging, all right? So uh, just a reference, Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13 in the Easy Read translation, write that one down for later. That's something you'll find in the YouVersion Bible app. There's going to be a few of these that I'm not going to read for time's sake, but just write them down and go check them out. It really backs up this point. We all know Jeremiah 29, 11 and 13, talking about the plans that God has for us, right? So that one's pretty obvious. I thought might be in good company here. Um, but this one I want to read in Matthew 7, 7 and 8 in the Passion Translation says this. Ask, and the gift is yours. Seek, and you'll discover. Knock, and the door will be open for you. For every persistent one will get what he asks for. Every persistent seeker will discover what he longs for. And everyone who knocks persistently will one day find an open door. I thought, man, this is so great. Ephesians 2.10 in the Amplified says it this way. For we are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art, created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which he set 
so that we would walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. I don't know how we could come up with an excuse. I, you read just these, these chunk of scriptures, you run out of reasons to say that I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, you read this alone, and that right there is like, good night. That's what we need. We all just ought to go home and meditate on that. But it just goes so much deeper. That's the thing about God's word. It's just so amazing. So just these few scriptures right here show us this. His will for us is to actually seek to find him. When we do our part, he will meet us and reveal his plan for our lives. We're creating God's likeness and image. God made us to reflect his nature. It says so in Genesis. Jesus himself came to seek and to save. It is in us to be seekers. God has a plan and a purpose for each of us to find. And it's not so much hidden as it is intentionally placed where the ones who are truly seeking will discover the fullness of it and it's in his presence. That place that we don't seem to dig in enough. Like buried treasure, there may be signs on the surface, but in order to fully discover what is deeply placed, you gotta dig. You can see gifts in people, you can see gifts in these youth, and it's right on the surface, and it's obvious. You watch so many of them walk away because they're not taught how to dig. They're not taught how to press in, how to discover. And it's, it's the example that we lead. It's what we're showing them. We want them to find, follow, and finish, right? That's, that's the driving force. You're gonna hear that so much, it'll probably become annoying at one point. But that is the campaign that I'm pressing on these students because I want it so simple. I want it so ingrained with them. I want it so far in them that that's what's in their head at all times. To find God's plan, follow God's plan, finish God's plan, plain and simple. That's what this is all about. So let's hit this next slide. It should be the follow script. Right on. So follow, to pursue or track the same direction or path of someone or something to move or travel behind, go after, to observe or monitor, to strive after, to aim at. Pretty plain and simple. Life is loaded with questions. We know this. On average, we face about 20 major questions per day. These are major questions that kind of require an answer or a thought towards an answer. You don't get to just completely forget it. You can back burner it, but we're faced with roughly 20 major questions a day. And this is just a general study I did. This isn't, this isn't you know, gospel or anything. Life is loaded with choices. About 35,000 choices a day come from these questions. Every question presents a series of choices. So using just this data that I found of 20 questions per day, resulting in 35,000 choices, makes our average number of possible choices per daily question is 1,750 potential answers for every question we face. That's just doing simple math. Obviously, this is averages. This isn't necessarily set in stone. But that's a lot of room for error, in my opinion, especially if we're trusting our own answers. So this next point, the choices we make direct the courses we take, plain and simple. On top of all the choices, there are seemingly endless variables that come our way too. Life, with all its twists and turns, ups and downs, most people can handle pretty well the turnarounds, the upside downs, but in an instant you can find yourself disoriented, losing track and direction of your purpose in your life. One minute you're cruising steady, somewhat consistent path and out of nowhere you get sideswiped by one of a million things and it's not always a bad thing. Change comes, inevitables happen. It could be husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, friendships, death and birth of any kind, physical health, jobs, school, financial things, house, car, properties, you guys get it. And every one of us has found ourselves in that vulnerable place where you don't have the answers. I've screamed it at the sky. I have kicked the rocks. I've been down on my knees. I've cried tears. I've needed answers. I've begged. I've pleaded. I've done it all. I've been on my knees. Where do I go? What do I do? Uh, how do I do this? When should I do it? With who? God, I don't know. I need answers. I knew who to ask. But before that, you're asking all the wrong people and guess how many possible answers they have? Compound your uh, 1,750. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? We think about that, that's a lot of potential for error when there's usually one right answer when you're following the plan of God for your life. So as we begin to seek for answers, we need to know whose advice that we can trust and whose lead we can safely follow. And here's the actual answer. And it's not because it's the textbook church version of this, it's the word. It's not what you know, people have preached over and over and some guy said it, so we keep repeating it. This is God's word telling you right here, Proverbs 3, 
5 and 6 in the Passion Translation says it this way. Trust in the Lord completely. Do not rely on your own opinions. With all of your heart, rely on him to guide you. He will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him in whatever you do, and he will lead you wherever you go. John 8, 12 in the NLT says it this way. Jesus spoke to the people once more, and he said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. John 10, 27 through 28 says it this way, that my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. Here's a few more references to back these points up. And the reason I'm doing it this way is because I give our students ammo. I give them these scriptures and I tell them, you guys go home and you write these down and you spend time with them. So you guys can see for yourself that it's not just me telling you this. I want them to know it on their page. I want them to highlight it in their app. I want them to be the ones to find it. So in Jeremiah 33, 3 in the Amplified, it says this, call to me and I will answer to you and tell you and even show you great and mighty things which have uh, been confirmed or confined and hidden, which you do not know and understand and cannot be distinguished. And John uh, 12, 26, and the Passion Translation talks about my disciples follow me where I'm going, the Father will be there. And if you follow me, my, fa my Father's favor will be upon your life. There's just re reference after reference of following him and God's hand will be upon you. And John 14, 16 through 17, in the Easy Translation, it says that he will send a helper. That helper will stay with you forever. He's God's spirit. He shows you the truth. He will come and stay with you. He will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. I mean, it's like, come on. You start running out of excuses why we can't seem to trust what God is telling us and why we find ourselves back at square one, re-asking the questions again, what to do, God? How do I do this? How do I do this? Like we don't know his voice. He will lead us if we choose to follow his path and his plan, and we can and should know his voice. He will bring light to our path. If I follow his plan and not mine, blessing and favor will be placed on my life by God himself. He will show us hidden things that we could never figure out on our own, hidden answers that none but him can reveal, that I have God's spirit living in me and guiding me and he will never leave me. So just in that small chunk of scriptures, that's what you can take away from that. Just the condensed version of all of that. Lastly, and this slide finish, and this long ways from the end, I love psyching people out. But lastly, finish. Bring a task or activity to an end or complete. End or a final part or a stage of something point or a place at which a journey, race, or an event ends. There's two more to this, I think. Or is that it? No, that's all there is. I'm sorry. That's all there. I had more. Um, I wrote this and erased it and wrote it and erased it three different ways. And I took some of this off and I thought there's no better way to encapsulate this than the way that Johnny Richardson, we were in that, uh, in that memorial service. And just knowing to get to the point where you finish and to look around you and go, this is the last time I'm going to be here. And to know that you've come to the end. To know that this is your finish. And how did he say it? I don't want to misquote him because it was so beautiful. I guess I'm just here to make people happy. Is that what he said? That's, my purpose is to make people happy. I was a wreck in that sound booth when that was said. I was like, oh my goodness. That is the most beautiful finish to a life when he had so much to be frustrated about, so much to be angry about, so much to be hurt about, he chose not to be. And he defined his purpose as being one who made people happy. Come on, man. Whew, that's good stuff. That's a finish. Oh, man. That inspired me, big time. I knew him very little and I wish I'd known him a lot more, but that hit me like a ton of bricks and I will carry that with me to the end. So. The finish, the goal, the reason for the effort, and the end game. Finishing what we start can be hard, and in fact, finishing is far more rare than we realize. And this is a point, I kind of like the way that God gave this to me. Point three, everything ends. What matters is how you choose to. How do you choose to end? The tasks in your life, the race you've been called to run, how do you choose to end? Because everything does. And you've got a part to play in it. How will you finish your race? 
A quick study why so many struggle with finishing to start revealed this list of common reasons. It's not all inclusive, but these are some of the top ones. And the scriptures that are gonna go along with this, um, I'm gonna read a few, I'm gonna reference a few, but they're either a direct uh, overcoming reference or a direct remedy in the word to these excuses and to these reasons why people don't finish. So slide one, we've got fear of failure and the scripture references are on there. Um, I'm gonna read a couple and a couple I'm gonna jump, but this one for fear of failure, for I've not given you a spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit gives you mighty power, love and self-control. James 1, five through eight in the message says this, if you don't know what you're doing, pray to the father, he loves to help, you'll get his help and you won't be condescended when you ask for it. Ask boldly, believingly, without a second thought. And then it carries on. I wanna hit slide two here. Perfectionism. I get this one. I get this one big time because there's certain parts of me that want things to be just perfect and there's other parts of me that could be totally fine with a mess and a pile of junk, like I'm good. It's, it's selective perfectionism. <laughs> Pick and choose OCD or whatever you wanna call it. But Perfectionism comes from expectations of achieving unrealistic perfection instead of attainable excellence. I thought, man, that's pretty good. Second Corinthians 12, nine in the Amplified says this. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My loving kindness and my mercy are more than enough, always available regardless of the situation. My power is being perfected and is completed and shows itself most effectively in your weakness. And then it carries on with the rest of that. Those are the parts that I want you to consider and think about. Slide three is procrastination. Commonly occurs due to out of place priorities. I get that one. John 9, four in the Passion Translation says, while I'm with you, it is daytime and we must do the works of God who sent me while the light shines. For there is coming a dark night when no one will be able to work there's time taken away and there's no time to put off what God has placed in your heart. The call that's on you isn't waiting for anyone but you. Time is moving and we have a responsibility to find and to follow and to finish that call. Second Corinthians 6, 1 and 2 in the Radiate translation says this, as people work together with God, we ask not to receive God's grace, then do nothing with it. He said, when I had mercy on you, I heard you. The day that I saved you, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time when God is having mercy. Now is the day when he wants to save us. It's now, it's here, it's now. And we know things are accelerating. We know things are at a crazy pace like we've never seen before. There's no reason to wait. There's no excuse to wait. And I'm hitting you guys the same way I would our students. I'm not gonna preach to you different than I would to them because that would mean I'm two different people. So I know this is maybe a little different cadence and a little different pattern, but I'm usually just kind of, you ask them, I just kind of hit them right with it and I keep on rolling, kind of leave them stunned. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what just happened? <laughs> they stay quiet that way. <laughs> so then the, uh, the end reference of this, obviously for, for procrastination to me, I thought of immediately this, but the parable of the 10 bridesmaids, you know, they just, they weren't ready. They thought they had time. They thought they had a chance. And then when the time came, they're trying to beg and borrow from anybody who was ready. That's not right. And it's not fair. And it's not the way it's supposed to be. Either you're ready or you're not. When the time comes, be instant in season and out of season. Be ready to rock. It's go time right now. And you could be put to call. You could be on call for God 24-7 if you choose to be. And you can make a difference in somebody's life right here, right now. I told Pastor Brian about a time where I got uh, text messages in the middle of uh, a service. I'm trying to take notes. You were speaking and I had a guy texting me on Facebook, you know, and I'm like, oh man, wh uh, what's going on? He's like, I'm thinking of killing myself is what I ended up finding out. And in the middle of receiving, I'm pouring out. And in, in an instant, I'm like trying to just, are you going to be okay for five more minutes? Let me get to you when I get done with this meeting. And I'm like trying to take my notes and I'm trying to finish and just, you never know when God's going to call you to the plate. So just be ready. Just be ready. Slide four, underestimation. Not knowing the importance of completion comes from a lack of understanding the benefit of the outcome. Then this one I have Philippians 3, 8 through 9 in the easy translation. It says, now that I know Christ Jesus is my Lord, that is the most valuable thing. Nothing else is important at all. I've thrown everything else away so that I can serve Christ. All those other things are like dirt to me. I think about them so like that, that I can have Christ and I want to be united with him because I believe in Christ. 
God accepts me as right with him, and I know that I cannot become right in any other way. Even if I obey all of God's law, when I trust Christ, God accepts me right because of my faith. Hit this next slide. This is five. Disorganization. Not putting things in order so that you can easily determine what to do, where to do it, when to do it, why and with whom. Back to those first questions that we've all asked. Proverbs 16, 1 through 4, and then 9 in the easy read translation is a good point of reference on that one. Um, I want to keep going. I don't want to run out. How am I doing on time? Doing all right? Sweet. That's my fault. I didn't bring a clock with me. Uh, Proverbs 19.21 in the Easy Translation says that you have lots of ideas about where you want, about what you want to do, but it's the Lord's plans that are important. When you're disorganized and you don't have a plan, you're not going to complete what you're doing. I'm, I'm going to read this 16.1 through 4. Um, I think this is good. It says, people make plans in their minds, but the Lord gives them the right words to say. You may think that everything you do is right, but the Lord knows exactly why you are doing it. Put your plans in front of the Lord so that what you want to do will go well. The Lord causes everything to have its proper result. Even wicked people will become bad trouble in the end, and people make the plans for what they will do, but it is the Lord who leads them in the right way. We've all got this erector set of an idea at one point or another where you're like, I don't know how to make all these pieces fit, God, I really don't understand. But this is saying if you set down the plans and say, God, show me, he will show you step by step how to do it. If they're his plans, then they're your plans, then they're successful plans. It's pretty simple. This last slide is kind of a consolidated a bunch of the last remaining like four slides, but they all kind of fit together and I felt like they all said the same thing. This is distractions, interruptions, and the multitasking deception. And I call it that, the multitasking deception, because it is a true deception to think of multitasking the way that we're told to think about it, that we can do multiple things at the same time. You really can't. You can have multiple things happening, but you're doing one thing very quickly, one thing very quickly, and one thing very quickly. You're not doing two things at the same time with the same attention and dedication that that thing deserves. So it's the multitasking deception. And the world preaches about do as much as you can every, ch every chance you get. Stay busy, stay busy. And I heard this acronym when I was in Rama, and I thought it was awesome. One of the, one of the first uh, instructors that I had said, busyness is one of the biggest tools of the enemy because it can be a good busy, it can be a bad busy, but busy is being under Satan's yoke. I thought, that's an interesting way to look at it because you're so full, you've got no room You've got no room to move when he says move. You've got no time to set the phone down. You've got no time to skip the ball practice because everything is packed full. Everything's packed full. So this busyness, this distraction, this interruption, literally anything that can possibly show up or pop up in the middle of completing your task, causing us to quit, to slow down, or attempt doing multiple tasks at the same time when each one actually needs undivided attention. So that's this, that's this number six cause. The answer to this You've got Martha. The Lord answered her, Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you upset and troubled? Pulled away by all these many distractions. Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted and I won't take this privilege from her. It's Luke 10, 41 and 42 in the Passion Translation. Revelation 2, 2 through 5. I know what you've been doing, how you've been working long and hard. I know that you don't tolerate evil, evil people. You've tested those who claim to be apostles but aren't. You've discovered that they're fakes. You've been faithful and endured a lot of trouble because of me. You haven't given up, but I hold you responsible for this. You've lost the love that you had at first. Think about how far you've fallen, realized how you've gone wrong, and go back to things that you were doing at first. If you don't, I will come and I will take your lampstand away. What you're doing is good. I see these good things. Here's your credit, here's your credit. But we got a problem, and this one counts. Where's your love? Where's your love we had in the beginning? When I was all you wanted, when I was all that mattered. Get that back in place. Get that focus right. When I first gave my life over to God, if it had anything to do with God, I was all about it. I used to get made fun of at the cabinet shop I worked at. I came back to Christ, and I was working with my brother, and I stuck Keith Moore in my ear. And I would walk all around that shop, and he'd say this, and he'd say, say it with me. 
I'm a child of God. And I'd be over there, I'm a child of God. And I'm speaking to these cabinet doors and I'm blessing somebody's kitchen, not knowing what I'm doing. But I'm, and my brother would walk people through, customers and clients are walking through and they're like, what's he doing? That's my brother, he's preaching to the cabinets. <laughs> but I'm repeating this stuff and I've got it in my ear. And if I heard somebody was speaking, I would go. If I heard the doors were open, I went. I was, I was all about that life. I had to be in church. I have to be in church. I have to be a part of this body. This is where I draw my lifeline from, from him, from you guys, from this. This is my calling. This is my purpose. This is my place. I see a lot of empty seats. There's a lot of people who aren't here because they either A, haven't dug, they've lost their way, they've never heard. There's all sorts of reasons, but this is a little bit too empty in my opinion. What can I do to change that? Who can I reach out to? Who can I talk to? What can I do at the gas station? How can I clear my distractions? How can I clear my mind, my heart, so God can talk to me and say, I want you to invite them today? It's not about filling seats. It's about getting people where they belong. The body of Christ has many members and everyone has a place within it. And I see a lot of missing parts. That's what I see. It's not about money. It's not about an agenda. It's none of that, especially not in this place. I know the heart of these men. I've been honored to hear the stories and I've worked alongside and I've heard for years and I know what they're about because I've worked with them behind the scenes. This is a let's get it done. It's gotta happen, let's get it done. I don't care who does it, I'll do it. Give it to me, I'll do it. Because I care enough about people and it's all about people in the end. No accolades, no attaboys, no pats on the back. It's just about serving people and loving people, plain and simple. If, if I had a dollar for every time this man has told me, I care more about you and your family than I do about you doing this job, man, I'd be loaded. <laughs> I just care about you guys. I'm glad you're here. I want you to work. Here's what I expect of you. But first, your family. First, you guys. Every day, how are you doing? How's everything at home? That's love, genuine love. And it's real. And I feel it. We got to live that way. What can you do? What can you give? What can you hand out? No more distractions. No more multitasking deceptions. See what's going on before us. This shows me that basically finding and following our God-designed plan on this earth means that we have to intentionally and continually with perseverance seek. There's a, I got a slide for this. Just plain and simple. Seek him. Separate away just to be in his presence. Press forward into his leading and focus our eyes, our hearts, our minds on what is most important. See, the students don't remember the other parts, but they do remember seek, separate, press, and focus. That's why I do it this way. I give you guys a little bit more, but I give them the simple stuff that they can stick in their head and walk away with it. If I can remember seek, separate, press, and focus. You ever walk down a school hallway, you'll notice it's just, you know, usually two or three big words. They pass by them enough, they see them enough, and it's subliminally in their head. You get the campaign mindset going in them. You get them seeing these things before their eyes. So guys, seek him, separate away, press forward, focus our eyes and our hearts and our minds on the most important thing of finding, following, and finishing our race with joy, passion, and endurance. This slide right here encapsulates everything that I just talked about. They're not gonna hang on to every single one of those scriptures, but if I give them the one that they can look to, this helps them focus. I believe this helps this church focus. Fellowship Church, you can look at this. If everything else is slipping, if everything else is sliding, and have you guys heard anything good out of Philippians lately? Has anybody preached anything around here? I mean, come on, man. As I'm finishing this out, I was like, God, you're funny. Philippians 3, 12 through 16 in the Passion Translation. I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing, but I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose for which Christ laid hold of me to make me his own. He laid hold of you. He laid hold of you. So you can reach for the purpose. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. We try. We get going good. We think we've got it figured out. We're like the little boy on the bike the first time he rides. You start pedaling as soon as God lets go. And we got it, we got it, we got it. <laughs> don't got it. <laughs> I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. 
So let all who are fully mature have this same passion. If anyone is not gripped by these desires, God will reveal it to them. Are you not gripped by these desires? Are we not gripped by these desires? I found myself completely out of the grasp, but it was my fault. It wasn't him. God will reveal it to you if you're not gripped by these desires. So let us all advance together to reach this victory prize, following one path with one passion. The first thing I do with our students is I break the ridiculous cliques and groups. Not in this house, not in this place, not here. We are family. Everyone brings something to the puzzle. Everyone brings something to the plate. I tell them, look left and look right. This is your family. I tell them, if we're going we're gonna to worship together, we're going to jump together, we're going to cry together, we're going to laugh together, we're going to snot and make a mess of ourselves in front of God, we're going to just have it all out. But we're going to do it together. We do the craziest icebreakers and I make them participate because when you break the ice and everyone looks ridiculous and everyone looks dumb together, nobody's cool. Nobody looks cool drinking, you know, a cock or a, a, a Coke through a sock. Say that one fast. <laughs> drinking a Coke through a sock. I've seen it. It's disgusting. And it's usually a dirty sock. <laughs> That's good. Let's edit that one out later. <laughs> it's probably because you showed me that earlier. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's just no, there's no good way to recover from that. So let's carry on. So the takeaway from all of this, the big takeaway from all of this, like just wrap it up put a bow on it. The mission statement that you can apply yourself at any stage in life by asking yourself these questions is what I'm doing, seeking out and finding God's unique plan and purpose for my life. Because it's not just finding it at the beginning. It continues. You have to continue seeking. You have to continue finding because the roles change. Pastor Mike, can I get an amen? <laughs> the roles change and you have to keep seeking what's next. Am I following the Holy Spirit's leading in everything that I'm choosing to do? We're bought with a price and we are not our own. It's not my will, it's not my way. It's God, what do you want to do today with what I am and what I have? Every dollar in my account, every tool that I own, every object that I possess, thank you for all of them, God. What do you want to do with them? They're yours. None of them, not my kids, they're not mine. I call them mine, but they're his and I just get to direct them and steward them. What do you want to do with your kids? What do you want me to do with your kids. God, what do you want me to do with these people? Is what I'm doing leading me to finish God's course for my life with passion and perseverance? Simply the vision for FC youth that can be read on the run in big, bold print. I call it the F3 campaign. You'll see the shirts. Find God's plan, follow God's plan, finish God's plan. You're going to see some shirts rolling around here. You're going to see some stickers with an F and a three for clarity. <laughs> Those who know, know. But it says find, follow, and finish. That sticker on their binder, that sticker on their computer, the shirt on their back, it's enough different and it's enough odd that it begs the question, what is that? What does that mean? I don't want to spell it out for them. I want to leave just enough there for curiosity's sake. But it gives them a simple reference point when they look down at their wristband and they're thinking about doing something they shouldn't do and they're on that car with their friends and they see F3, find, follow, finish. Ooh, the gut check. They're riding with their friends after school and there, there goes their buddy with that sticker in their back window. I want this thing plastered in these communities. I want this vision in every heart and in every mind that enters that room back there and I want it flooding these halls. Not because I care about my mission. I want them to find God's plan. I want them to follow God's plan. And I want them to finish God's plan. And my prayer is that they could come to the end of their line, just like Johnny, with a life full and complete, tank on empty and saying, you know what? This is it. What a beautiful moment to look around you and say, so long, friends. It's been a good run. That's the way we're supposed to end. So... I know there's a lot of variables to that, but God is good, guys, and I appreciate you rolling with me. That was a little, a little clunky, a little funky, but I think you guys get the point. God is good. I love your kids. I love being in this church. I love being a part of this body with you, and I'm honored to stand in this pulpit, and I pray that everything that was shared tonight, you see the message behind it. 
God's got something for you. It doesn't matter. If you're drawing breath, you're not done. You're still fighting. You're still following, and you can finish. When you're done, God will let you know you've done. You've done what I need you to do. And you'll be just like Johnny, and you'll look around, and you'll go, you know what? I'm good. See you guys in a little bit. You know what I mean? So let's get to that place. Set aside the distractions. Set aside the weights. Set aside the cares. I want to take a second, Miss Linda, if you wouldn't mind just playing keys for a minute. Let's just stand together as family. Why don't we come up front and stand together like we used to? Let's just everybody come up front, stand together as a group, and just take a minute. Take two minutes, take five minutes. God, help me reset. Help me recalibrate. Help me refocus. We're setting the example by what we're doing here. We want our students to have this kind of relationship. We got to have this kind of relationship. When the altars are open, we come. Fellowship Church is on the verge of busting out because God's on the verge of busting out in this world. This place is positioned in this community for this season on purpose. You guys get to be a part of what's starting. So right now, God, is what I'm doing helping me find Am I following? How do I finish? Let's just take a moment. Let's just pray. Pray in the Spirit. Those who are filled with the Spirit, pray in the Spirit. Let's just take a moment.
pray that the anointing would continue to flow. Stay pressing in. Stay praying out.
uh, not something that was pre-planned or premeditated by any means. I did not foresee this. I really felt that was a call to be instant in the season. God's calling you up, Pastor Brian. Next level. It's it's starting right now. It's starting right now. I'm very thankful for you and the gift that God has made you to be to this body. I'm honored to serve with you, and I'm excited to see where you're going. This is where it begins. You can write it down in your calendar. This is doing life as family. Maybe you didn't get a lot. Maybe you got a whole lot. Maybe it didn't seem like much happened in the moment, but don't discount how God moves. God no doubt moves. It might be in two or three days, a word, an inspiration, a phone call, a text. God does what God does the way he does it. So I'm not going to try to speak for him or tell you what he told you. You know him. You know his voice. But trust that something, something very critical and very intentional took place here tonight. It maybe didn't look like what we thought it would. But I promise you, it is something. It is something big. So, Pastor Brian, I'll let you close this one out. Thanks, God. Appreciate it. You guys can be seated. In God good. I'll tell you what. I love and appreciate what Scott and Emily are bringing to our youth department. It, uh, you know, I, I have a very, well, I have three of my kids in there. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but I think the thing is, is that, that you could see Pastor Scott's heart tonight, that he cares about our teens, he cares about our students, and he desires for them to find that plan of God, follow that plan of God, and finish it. And I believe that he's, you know, in in the years to come, he's going to help to um, to to help that to come to pass in their lives. Amen. And uh, you know, much as as it is with our teenagers, it is with us. It never ends. We just got to continue to, like he said tonight, to pursue that, to to look to that, to to push aside the distractions and push away the things that uh, that can kind of creep in. Amen. Sometimes you guys ever had creeping in. Stuff creeps in sometimes, but you got to resist it. You got to recognize it and resist it. I don't want to preach another message because he did a great job. Uh, we just want to take this opportunity to honor God in our giving. But uh, you know, with what happened tonight, you know there there's there might be things stirring in your heart. Um, you know, uh, things that 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 the Lord has been dealing with you in, and it may not have been prayed out specifically. But you need to trust and continue to look to him for that guidance and for that direction. That direction and that guidance doesn't come from me. It comes from him. And I mean to tell you, as you seek him, just as Pastor Scott was talking about, with your whole heart, you begin to dig. Man, he'll begin to show it to you. Amen. So let's just pray over our offering and then uh, we'll be dismissed. Father, we just come before you tonight. We thank you for the word of God that has been sown into our lives. Father, we know that it won't return void, but it'll accomplish. It's going to accomplish in our students. It's going to accomplish in our lives. It's going to accomplish in our church. We thank you that we get to be a part of your business, kingdom business. And so tonight, Father, it's an honor and a privilege that we have to bring our tithes, to bring our offerings, to sow into your kingdom. And we thank you, Father, for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may pass the buckets.